Welcome to the Joseph Z. Audio Podcast. For this and additional resources, visit josephz.com. Every time God's wanting to do something significant for the people of God, there's always going to be the counterfeit that rises up. Always. Always. And so often the church gets all wound up. We get all uh, worried about what's going to happen. And we're thinking about, oh, no, now we've got to just be motivated this way, motivated that way. When we forget to stay in the peace that passes understanding, that doesn't mean we'd be inactive. It just means that we should absolutely be active and we should change our environment. We should become part of the culture and, and have influence on the culture. But the difference is, is we need to do it from a place of peace, a revelation of who we are. Are in Jesus. When we have a revelation of who we are and where we're going and what we're about, then it begins to change how we affect our environment or the culture around us. We recognize it says in the epistles that our faith is the power that brings the world, or as the Greek says, the cosmos, meaning the, the world we uh, <clears throat> interact with on a daily basis around us to its knees. Our faith is the power that brings the world to its knees. Not our... our um, our protest, not all these things, and not trying to, uh, you know, out, out shout the other guys. You know, and oftentimes the church thinks it's our job to go and, and out, out be louder than the other guys. That's not the case. We need to operate from a place of peace that brings life. Now, what the Lord spoke to me this morning, what I felt stirred in my spirit is, is people are, you know, just this last weekend we had protests, which I think were very, um, you know, based on ignorance and things like that. But, you know, everybody's got their motivations and they do what they got to do. And I'm not here to get, go down the road on trying to decipher what's what in those things because the soul and the heart and how people are motivated. And if you feed a bunch of lemmings popcorn, they're going to do exactly what lemmings do, go run off a cliff. Now, but when you understand some things about it, you've got to get to a point where we begin to move forward in what God's called us to do. We should not, you know, amplify problems. We want to begin to magnify answers. Good morning, Chris. Welcome. So when we're talking about this, there's something I understand. How many of you know the world is getting darker and darker and darker all the time? Amen? Darkness is growing thicker and darker all the time, by the minute, by the hour, by the day. Darkness is growing. I think darkness is something that we can all recognize that there's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of things happening uh, in darkness. How many of you know the world is getting darker and darker and darker? But I have to believe something with that, ladies and gentlemen. I have to believe God has a plan, a secret weapon, a plan that's in place for the darkness. I believe in the middle of darkness, God is also raising up an answer, something that he's going to spring on the world, a surprise that he's going to bring out in these last days, something he's going to launch out in the world that brings favor and abundance to the, you know, the world and brings an answer to darkness. How many of you know God's got a secret weapon hidden up his sleeve? Do you know what that is? Us. The secret weapon God has is you and me. The secret weapon God is looking for is you and me. God is looking to raise up leaders and people in the body of Christ that are going to stand forward and do what God's called them to do. And so many people are frustrated with how things are going on, the, the political manipulation, all these things that are happening. And ultimately, it is the church's responsibility to stand up and make a difference. It's, it, it matters. So yesterday, we had uh, uh, an encounter with some people, friends of ours. We were walking along and all of that. We had an encounter with some wonderful people. And, and uh, it ended up that we're just walking outside doing things on a prayer walk. We didn't broadcast that one. And... Uh, 
all of a sudden, or just talking, fellowshipping, and all of a sudden we began to walk into some people, got into a conversation with them, and we began to minister to them. Uh, you know, my friend Adam begins to minister to them, and then we begin to minister to them, and then it turns around, and these people all of a sudden start to prophesy to us. It was wonderful. But I got to tell you, when you induce life, and you induce light in the darkness, things begin to happen. Now listen to me very carefully. I titled this this morning, Light Shines Brightest in the darkness. Listen to me. Light shines brightest in the darkness. I I talked to you about the story of Polycarp, how he gave his life as a testimony for Jesus, even in the Colosseum and all these things. I don't know if it was the Circus Maximus or if he was in the arena, whatever arena he gave his life in, we recognize an understanding with this that we are called to be a light in the darkness. And when we step out as a light in the darkness, victory is going to happen. I encourage you today, believer, listen to me. Do not be discouraged with what's going on in the world. Do not be discouraged with what's taking place. You need to encourage yourself, gird yourself up in the loins of your mind. As the word says, we gird ourselves up in our most holy faith. And we begin to look at the darkness and say, praise God, I'm the answer this world's looking for. I'll never be out of work because I am here on this earth to bring change and to bring life and to bring increase to the world. We shouldn't look at the world and go, oh my gosh, what are these morons marching about? What's happening over there? I can't believe what's happening politically. And we need to be involved in the world. We really do. We need to be accessible. We need to be making a difference, a splash in society. We need to do and have influence like salt preserving this place. We are salt and light in the darkness. Salt preserves, light brings illumination. It it uncovers, it expels darkness. Now listen to me though. Many Christians get so wound up about what's happening that we forget to stay in peace and be light. Amen? We need to be light in darkness. We need to be salt and light, as Jesus said. He said, you are salt and light. But if a salt loses its saltiness, it's basically no good and it should be thrown out. And many Christians lose their saltiness because they get offended. They get inundated with the world. We get indoctrinated by the world and we listen to the news more than we listen to the word of God. Listen to me. Uh, uh, Jesus is still the answer. You and I walking things out in life, whether we see things politically or whatever's happening, even if there's evil leadership in the world, running the show, I'm telling you, we still have light and salt that we are just bringing forward to this, this, this globe that we stand on. Now listen, it says here clearly in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, listen to me, Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 says this, it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. Now we're going to jump into this today. This is going to set you free. You're going to have revelatory power. You're going to have horsepower to get things accomplished that you're called to do. Isaiah chapter 61, or Isaiah 60 rather, verse 1, it says, arise, shine. So many believers aren't even to the shine part because they haven't even arisen yet. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God is calling you and me to arise in a generation that is covered with darkness, that is covered with difficulty, that is covered with uh, all kinds of things that oppose the gospel, oppose the mind of Christ. The world is supposed to be like that. That's the, that's the way it is. But when we stand up, we are supposed to arise and shine and shine in our divine occasion. Now listen, it says, arise, shine, Isaiah 60, verse Verse 1, for your light has come. Arise, shine, for your light 
has come. Now, I recognize the prophetic implications of Isaiah 60, verse 1. It's prophesying about the Messiah and all these things. But now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We are not in the Old Testament when this was prophesied. We are in the fulfillment of this prophecy on the right side of the cross in the New Testament. So when it says, arise, shine, your light has come, this scripture is prophetic and past tense to you and I. It's past tense. This has happened. Our light has arisen and it is shining. The light has come. Jesus Christ has come to the earth. He has risen and he has come into the hearts of men. And now you and I have a calling prophetically to arise to the occasion and shine. We are salt and light. We are preserving this place. Amen. So we understand this. We read these scriptures through the lens of the finished works of Jesus. We can recognize that when we arise, shine, it's through the finished works of Jesus. This comes through revelation of of the mind, renewing of your heart and mind to the word of God. But it says here in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse one, arise, shine. Listen to me. Most Christians are much, much less than shining. They're not even shining because they haven't even arisen yet. In other words, we don't stand up the way we're supposed to. If we don't stand up and realize I'm the answer. Every time I walk into a room, my presence should demand an explanation. Every time I enter a scene or open my mouth, something about us should be different than the world because we're alive. They're dead. And when you bring the word of God out of you, you should arise and shine. Arise means you're present. Arise means you're doing your calling. Arise means you're in your lane. And then you're developed in your lane, and then you begin to shine in your lane. When you arise and shine, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, the almighty uh, 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 power of God that's coming through you in the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Ghost that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, should be shining through us in our designed, destined, designated uh, calling, our lane. When that happens, ladies and gentlemen, you will not only arise to the occasion, you will shine in the occasion. And that's what we got to understand as believers. It talks about, it goes on to say, arise, shine for your light has come. That's the light of Jesus in us. Jesus has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now I know in context, there's many prophetic things we talk about with this scripture and it's all true, but I'm saying this in a now word to you, arise, shine, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse two goes on to say, for behold, behold, behold means you are captive you look and you look around and say, my goodness, there's something happening around me. For behold, it says, now listen, this is a present tense now word. It says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. This is prophetic about the end times. This is prophetic about the days we're living in. Darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Now there's supernatural connotations to this, principalities, uh, all this stuff, but really darkness means you're revelation knowledge. Darkness talks about your understanding. Darkness is is the equivalent of knowing that the way people think is that their mind is turned off to the light. Their heart is turned off to the light. Darkness covers the people. No difference than the antithesis to that in Psalm chapter 27, where it says, um, Uh, It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The light is the light in your mind. It is your understanding. It is the revelation knowledge of Jesus, the revelation knowledge of God, enlightening your thinking, enlightening the way you feel, enlightening how you operate. But see, it says here, behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. You know, so many times in spiritual warfare and all these things we're trying to do, we're trying to break the powers of darkness over people. But it starts in the mind. 
darkness is in the mind. What people believe and what they are persuaded by gives power to the spiritual forces of wickedness in this world. The deep darkness that covers the people is what they believe. That's why we've got to teach, 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 mentor, disciple, show love, draw people to Jesus, the loving kindness of the Lord. That's how we defeat darkness. And then, of course, we stand against principalities and powers of darkness. Now, listen to me very clearly. It says in verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Now listen, this is so good. Deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. This is you in your designed destination. This is you in the equipping position that God's called you to be in. He says, arise and shine. When you arise to your, your call, you arise to the answer. You know, you know what the difference between called and chosen is? called is God puts a call to every believer, every person that wants to follow him. But the chosen are the ones who answered the call. It's that simple. God calls to us. And when you arise to that call, you say, amen, I'm doing it. God answers that call. In other words, the chosen, they hear the call, they show up for the call, and then they become, they answer the call that makes them chosen. You're chosen when you just arise to your calling period. When you arise to the word of God, when you say amen in your heart to what you hear, you're chosen when you answer the call. Amen. So it says here, in deep darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Now listen to me. This is where it gets really good. This is the difference between people that minister in the flesh and people that minister in the, in in the spirit and they're in their design lane and not. Have you ever seen ministers or, or people that are in a calling or they're, or they're in a business or they're doing what they're doing and it's literally like they have no horsepower. There's no yoke breaking power. They speak, they do things and nobody's getting set free. Things are not happening. It's because they're not in their designed lane. They're trying to function in a, in a uh, how could I say it? They're trying to a punk, a function in a uh, assumption. They're assuming if they do this, they're going to get this. Instead of of arising to the call of God. And of course you do that by listening to the word of God, by spending time in the word of God, and you begin to move forward with that. When you understand what this is about, I'm telling you right now, it says clearly here that the Lord will arise over you and, listen to me, verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 60, his glory will be seen upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. There's so many people that try to arise to an occasion that is all filled with their own assumption and how they're going to function. They're expecting how to do things and they're not really meditating. They're not disciples of the word. They're not serving anywhere. They're not being uh, servants to uh, leadership. They're not doing what God's called them to do. And so therefore you see ministers that are intellectual, all these different things, but they have no break through power on them. There's no horsepower. When you begin to stand up and you do what God's called you to do, you literally have God show his glory upon you. There's a difference between those who are recognized in the glory of God and those who are not. Those who are recognized in the glory of God, it means this, when you're functioning in your designed location, you're functioning in what God called you to do. You literally will have yoke breaking power on your messages. You have yoke breaking power on your abilities. And the reason that many people don't is because they're trying to be something that God's not called them to be. And what happens is, what happens 
happens is, is challenges take place, and then you get in the arm of the flesh. You see this a lot in business, in ministry, in people's lives. They don't have that fresh wind of God on them, and so therefore, there's not this display of glory when they're doing what they're called to do. Now, I'm not saying every time, I'm not saying that every time you get up and speak that there should just be the shaking power of God and all that. I'm just saying there should be yoke-breaking power. There should be fruit coming forward. And you know, there's a lot of imposters out there that are trying to be something they're not called to be because it looks good to them and it's appealing. And you think, if I do what they're doing, I'll get the results they're getting. And that's not what God's called everybody to do. We must find our design lane in the 21 gift spectrum of the Spirit and recognize what God's called us to do. And I will be teaching on that in the future more detailed. Now listen to me. When you are in your lane, you're doing what God's called you to do. You answer the call. You answer the equipping. You're chosen because you answer the call of God. And again, that comes from meditating on the Word. That comes from listening to the voice of God. That comes from serving in your church. Church, serving at wherever God's placed you, and you do what is in front of you with all your might, because God's looking at where you are so he can get you to where you're going. If you're all minded on where you're going and not focusing on serving where you are or being disciplined and as faithful and as aggressive with God, what God's given you today, forget about tomorrow. You've got to master now. You've got to master the now. Now, anyway, when you're doing that and you come to this place, it says in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 60, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Everybody knows the difference between when they see the power of God, the true understanding of God on somebody, and when they don't. When you see people that are moving in their designed position, and they're matured in that position. They're tenured in that position. You know, like a professor that's been teaching something a long time. That's a tenured position. They've, they've done it so long that they have a tenured voice. In other words, they say with authority, I've done this for so long, I have a track record, and now I have something to say. Now, when you're in that position, that's when the glory will be seen among or upon you. When the glory is seen upon you is when there's breakthrough, there's life, there's increase, and things begin to happen for you. Now, notice this. It says here, and this is what it's for. Now, I'm talking about the light shining in the darkness. Okay, we also know John chapter 1. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not apprehend it. It could not comprehend it. It could not overcome it. It's talking about Jesus and the light that shined in the darkness. But Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. That's you and I. And this prophetic understanding Understanding is that your light, because Jesus is in you, must shine in the darkness. And the light never shines more brightly than when it shines in the darkness. Listen to me, if you're in a dark room, just get this image for a moment. If you're in a pitch black room, say there's no windows, no, no uh, cracks of light coming through, no light bulbs at all, and you simply literally light a what would be the right word? You could even light a match in that room. It will illuminate the whole room. And that match will look very bright to those that have been in darkness for a long time, especially when their eyes are not adjusted. They're not used to seeing uh, light. They're not used to seeing these things. And you're in pitch black. You light a candle in a tiny or a, or a large room, and it will illuminate the whole place. How much more if you develop in light and you come in intentionally with light God's given you and you turn on floodlights? People will be blinded by the light. They will know something happened when light shines in darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, the world may be dark. There may be things going on around us that we see on the news, that we hear, and people are conflicted and arguing. There's a spirit of confusion on the world that wants to confuse people, make people argue amongst themselves, have violence, have just anger and rage towards other people. And listen to me, at the end of the day, we are the salt and we are the light, and we are supposed to be bringing light into darkness. And you don't do that by screaming and hollering and doing all these things. You come in no 
knowing who you are, knowing your designated calling, and you step forward with authority. Listen to me. Every time I walk into place, I don't care what people are acting like. We're bringing the good news. We're bringing life to these people. We got the answers. We should be the most confident, bold, uh, blessed people in the face of the earth, bringing a change in every circumstance. So when we're looking at this, you are the answer the world's looking for. Do not be discouraged with what you're seeing in the world. Don't be discouraged. Encourage yourself in the word of God. Encourage yourself today. Look at the world and look at it as an opportunity, not as something that's going to hell in a handbasket. People look at the world and they say, my goodness, where's this generation going? What's going to begin happening? What are we going to do? Remember the 60s when people were uh, in a revolution mindset and they were doing all the crazy stuff they were doing? Did you know in the early church, Nero used to burn Christians in his garden? He used to take Christians and put them on poles and set them on fire and walk through his garden watching them burn. Watching them burn. Listen to me. You know, we we think it's bad, and it is. There's a lot of bad things out there. But ladies and gentlemen, you are the answer the world is looking for. We haven't even, uh, in America, we haven't even comprehended that kind of persecution yet. Now, there are martyrs all over the world at a greater level than ever before. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The world is an arena. It's an arena, and we are to be witnesses. Do you know what the the Greek word for witness means? The Greek word for witness means martreia. Martreia is where we get the word martyr, and it means that we are to give our lives for the gospel one way or another, loving not our lives even unto the death. And I'm not talking about a martyr mindset where we go out there and go, well, they're going to kill us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going out and shining our light brightly and fearlessly with love coming out of us. Love is how we win the world. Love is stronger than hate. It really is. And the world says that, but they're coining a phrase they don't even understand. But the love of Jesus is stronger than hate and it brings life. The world says love is stronger than hate and they don't even know what they're talking about. They think it's an emotion. They think it's I like something very much so therefore it's stronger than hate. That's a wrong application. Only the love of Jesus, the perfect love of God is stronger than hate. Emotional love will turn into anger and rage and confusion and all that but when you have the love of Jesus working through you it will bring life and victory to people. Now listen very carefully. We recognize this. Now I'm I'm trying to get to a point here with this that I think will really help you today. When we recognize the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. This is you in your designed, designated situation where God's called you to be. You operating in the lane God has anointed you in. Praise God. God has anointed you to operate in a specific area. And when you are developed in that, and when you are anointed in that, and you've served, and you're walking through that, God will literally promote you in that moment and people will recognize it in the church and the world. Your light will shine in darkness. Now, verse 4 goes on to say this of Isaiah chapter 60. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Verse 5. Now, there's a lot in that scripture. Verse 5. Praise God. Verse 5. We recognize this. Then you shall see and become radiant. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. There's steps to this. First, you must arise. Then you shine. Then they shall see your light. The king, they shall see your light. Now, his glory shall be seen upon you. Now, I need to go back to verse 3. I actually skipped verse 3. I need to go back to verse 3 of this before I jump to the bottom. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, verse 2 we got to. But it says there's, there's a correlation to this. Arise and shine. So first, you stand up, answer the call. Then you shine, 
In other words, this, you shine in darkness. Verse 2 goes on to say, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, talking about their belief system, how they uh, interpret things, how they view the world. Their worldview is darkened, how they view life and how they have a, a, a philosophy towards life. And then it says, but the Lord will arise over you. So you arise, you shine, there's darkness, but now the Lord will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you. When God has obedient believers that step forward in life, they're not intimidated by darkness. They love the light and they love God and they're going forward to love people. When you step forward with that kind of mentality, you step forward with that kind of strength, then God's glory will be seen upon you. First, you answer the call, then the light comes upon you. You shine, and then you recognize the, the, the world, what's going on, the darkness in the world. It's a revelation of what's happening in the world. They, like the sons of Issachar, they, they interpreted the signs and the, the seasons. They were able to step forward. Then you step into the world. You do what you're called to do, and then God's glory will shine over you. It will shine on you, and his glory will be seen seen upon you. And then it goes from there and it says, verse three, now listen to me, this is where it gets really good. You in your lane is the answer the world is looking for. Remember, we always say this, both the church and the world deserve to see mature believers, mature believers. We have so many immature believers trying to do things out in the world and it does nothing but harm in some areas. In other words, when you see people out there with signs saying, God hates sin, God hates you, and people are protesting and doing these things, trying to bring change in the world, all that stuff, you do that kind of stuff and literally you're a baby believer. You're an immature believer, not showing salt and light because God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to redeem the world. So when people are out screaming on street corners, all that stuff, it's terrible. We must begin to bring the light in darkness, okay? Now, we understand this. It goes on to say this. Now, here's the correlation one more time. You arise. You answer the call, okay? Those who are chosen, they're the ones that showed up to the call. Many are called, few are chosen. The chosen are the ones that heard the call, they answered it. Then you shine. In other words, you're developed in your mind. The word of God comes into your mind and you begin to grow in revelation and the knowledge of him. Then you go forward and you recognize the world's problem. You have a revelation of what the, the need is in the world and that is darkness on the people and on their mind. You step forward. Then when you step forward into that, that need, then you realize the glory of the Lord. The Lord will arise over. Over you, you have an anointing to step into these circumstances, and then his glory will be seen upon or upon you. Verse 3 goes on to say this. Here's where it gets good. When you're in your anointing, this is where it gets good. Verse 3, the Gentiles, now this is talking about all those outside of covenant. In the, in the New Testament, early times, it was Israel and everybody else was Gentiles. Anybody that was not the people of God was a Gentile. So in, in a parallel to understand this now, <clears throat> we realize anybody that's not in covenant with Jesus is, is a symbolic Gentile, okay? And I'm not into replacement theology one bit, okay? I believe God has a special relationship with Israel, all right? I'll leave it at that. But I want to say this here. The Gentiles shall come to your light. Now, everybody needs to accept Jesus to be saved, though. Let me clarify that, too. But we recognize this. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And listen to me. It goes on. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Praise God. Now, listen to me. There's a correlation. There's a progression to this. You arise, you shine. Okay, we just explained what that was. Then, the, then you recognize the problem, the darkness. Then the Lord arises over you. You become commissioned in that darkness to do something. 
and his glory in that place will be seen upon you. And when his glory is seen upon you, because you're tenured, you've paid the price, you've answered the call, you, you renewed your mind, you, you had light shine in your darkness, you recognize the darkness, now you come to the place where the Gentiles shall see and they shall come to your light. In other words, those that don't have Jesus, they don't understand the way, the truth, and the life, they don't know what's going on, they will be drawn to you. They will be drawn to you. And as they begin to be drawn to you, the kings will come to the brightness of your rising. So first, now listen to me, this is really good. <laughs> this is awesome. First, we recognize that the Gentiles come to your light. In other words, people that don't know their way, they're in darkness, they say, there's something about that, and I'm drawn. Like it says about the Moravian movement, there was a strange warming in my heart. Something is happening here. And they begin to draw, be drawn to you. I've had this happen over and over again in my life where different people from all walks of life, different levels in, in society have said, what is it that you're carrying? I must have it. And we begin to talk and all that, and Gentiles will come to that light, to that knowledge of the Lord in you, working in revelatory fashion. Now, then it goes on to say to a next level, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Listen to me. This means people of influence, people of, of means, people of understanding, leaders in, in different areas. Now, listen to me. Every one of us is called to affect a leader. Maybe you have a son and daughter that's a leader. Maybe your husband or wife is a leader. Maybe there's people in your workplace. They're a form of a leader. Either way, the kings come to the brightness of your rising, okay? When the kings come to the brightness of your rising, now you're tenured, you're in the pocket, you are called to do what you're called to do. You get in the place where you're marked to be. And kings represents those who in the world system or in an a, a ungodly system or just literally a carnal system are experts in their field. They are people of, who have developed in, listen to me, kings are people who have developed the same way the believer is tenured in the light. They are tenured in their ability. <clears throat> There's kings in the world that are tenured in their craft, their calling, their ability, their persuasion, their knowledge, and they have worldly knowledge, but they have influence, and they're not necessarily bad people. They're just tenured in what they understand, but tenured people that are developed and leaders in all these things, they recognize when there's value in light. They recognize when there's value in someone that can make a difference in darkness. They may not understand it, but they can recognize it. Listen to me. The world is not stupid, okay? They might be fools in in relation to God, but the world and the kings many times are better at economic things. They're better at um, understanding things in health and how to manage things and how to do things in life. The world many times is so much superior, far superior to the people of God because the people of God many times are lazy. <clears throat> and that's not everybody, but many. <laughs> I bless everybody today. I'm not talking to lazy people today. Amen. But the people of God do not want to be disciplined. They don't want to develop. They don't want to push through darkness. They want to just be like, Jesus loves me, and that's good, and you should be there. But when you really begin to uh, press through in your calling and your mandate, listen to me, people that are tenured in their craft, in their ability, in these things will literally be drawn to your light, and they'll want to know what's going on. And in that moment, you need to be developed. You need to be uh, uh, focused. You need to be uh, matured and literally tenured in your calling and in your craft operating in the light and able to function in the world society, right? So when you begin to talk to leaders, which are the kings that arise and they come to the brightness of your arising, they come to that because they recognize value. And that 
is how we begin to change society. That is how it works. That means if you're in a job, become the best there is at your job. That means if you're called to be educated, become educated in your craft. And then bring the knowledge of the Lord through that. Use your craft. Use your calling. Use whatever it is you put your hands to to bring the gospel and influence to people. When you do this, you will influence society from the top down. And now we need to have grassroots movements where we're reaching the people and doing that. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you are 10 in your calling. You are called to touch kings. And kings means influence. Kings means influence. And when you talk to a person of influence in any realm, the greater the influence, usually the more secure they are and the easier they are to discuss these type of things with. Now, when you're understanding some of this stuff, it goes on from there. Gentiles shall come to your life. That means people will be drawn to you like you have something I need, but also leaders will be touched. The kings Kings, to the brightness of your rising and to the level of your revelation, the more you're willing to bear pain in your development and not quit, God will use you in specific, beautiful, and beautifully targeted moments where you touch people of influence in your sphere, whatever that means, be it large or small, globally or in a small understanding. Either way, it's all the same to God, okay? Now listen to me carefully. We're talking from Isaiah chapter 60. I'm now going to verse 4. Verse 4 says, lift up your eyes all around. Now it gets bigger than the kings. Listen to me. It gets bigger than the kings now. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Listen to me. There are appointed people that you are called to influence. We call those sons and daughters. As you develop in your calling, there are appointed people in your workplace, in the nations, in your community, in a small setting or large settings that literally will be drawn to you. And it says your sons and daughters will be uh, from afar. They will be drawn and nursed at your side. In other words, you are called to disciple people. Ladies and gentlemen, we are all called to disciple people. If we're not raising people up and discipling them, I was so moved when I saw some of the leaders at Andrew Womack's men's conference, and these are the great uh, football coaches and uh, Tony Dungy and, and, and JB and these different ones that were there, and they literally do phone calls once a week where they disciple men that they meet along the way, and we are all called to disciple. We're called to disciple by whatever means God gives us. That means you, all of us, if we're going to mature in Jesus, we're called to have sons and daughters that are drawn from afar, places we don't even understand. Maybe in our workplace, maybe somebody we meet on vacation, maybe somebody we meet over here. And if God opens that door, they're drawn to us and are to be nursed at our side. And it means that we are to disciple them. Now, I understand the literal prophetic connotation of this scripture. I understand the literal text of what it's talking about with the nation of Israel, Jesus, the Messiah, and many things there. But I'm talking about this from the, the right side of the cross, a lens of revelation of how the disciple and how the believer should be interpreting some of these scriptures, okay? Because we have Jesus now. And we view these things from the lens of him, the revelation of the finished works of Jesus. Now we are to make disciples of all nations. And the highest call of every believer is to make disciples, okay? Now we go beyond this. Now listen, it goes beyond this. So it went from uh, those who we step into darkness, then the Gentiles see it, they're drawn to it. Then we influence leaders and kings. The kings see the lightness and the brightness of our rising, and they begin to step forward. And then it goes on to say, now disciples will come forward from all nations. And we are all called to different aspects of this. And then it goes on in verse 5. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. Then, oh, listen to me. It goes from shining to a whole nother level. Then you shall see... And become radiant. 
Woo! There's a big difference between shining and radiant. Okay? Then you shall see and become radiant. Oh! This is really good. You've got to listen to me. This gets really good right now. This gets really good. Praise God. Then you shall see and become radiant. In other words, it is so strong. It's so uh, built. Like the word of God is just exploding from you. Life is happening and you're seeing fruit happening and all these things happening. I think of John the Revelator as an old man in his 90s. Uh, People came to him and he had such peace and he just glowed with the love of God. He glowed with all this stuff. And the love of God is glory. Glory is something that's palpable for people. They get near you. They can feel it. They see things. And yet at the same time, it's just the love of God shining from you. But listen, it goes beyond this. It says, then you shall see all these things manifesting. If you pay the price, if you don't quit, you keep going, you become tenured in your calling. You get to the point where you literally see and become radiant in your lane. You go from shining in the favor of God and the multiplying favor of God and people running to you and and those explosions that happen, those breakthrough moments, people say, my goodness, I'm touched. These are happening. Then you come to a point where you become radiant. You become radiant, and it goes on to say in verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 60, and your heart shall swell with joy, with joy, with joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, you are so overwhelmed. You are so over, over, uh, just just running over, pressed down, shaken together. The joy is unspeakable and full of glory. The joy is unspeakable because you're radiant. The joy is unspeakable. You ever see older ministers that just have been tenured in it? People that are, they know their God, they get older. They just have a glow about them. They're joyful. They don't, they don't have anything to prove. They're walking things through. Or, or people that are in their lane in, in jobs or ministry or life. And when you see people that have truly walked with the Lord for seasons and a long period of time, they have a glow about them that's filled with joy. Now listen, we recognize this. It says, and your heart shall swell with joy. Now here's where it gets good. This is where we really get to the Super Bowl touchdown winning score right here, okay? This is where it's like, boom, okay? This is where it comes to, verse five. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. That is a loaded, loaded scripture, okay? Then the abundance of the sea shall come to you and the wealth of Gentiles shall come to you. Now we recognize what Jesus did. We recognize the prophetic part of this scripture, the literal meaning of this in context. But let's get to the right side of the cross and look at it through the lens of the finished works of Jesus. Now when we look at this, Then you shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy. You're overwhelmed. My goodness, it's amazing. Because, because the abundance of the sea. Now, I had a vision years ago of the sea, of the sea. I I think I shared this yesterday. The abundance of the sea. The sea, the Lord has spoken this to me. I've had to study it out. The sea represents the people. The sea represents the, the people of God or the people in general of the whole earth. Okay, the sea represents the whole thing. Uh, Olga, it's uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5 is where I am. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. And I'm out of the New King James and whatever version you're reading, God bless you. And so we're looking at this, but it says, Then you shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea. In other words, all the people of the earth, all the peoples in the whole globe, the abundance of them shall be turned to you. 
It shall be turned to the light. It shall be turned to the message. It shall be turned to these things. And this is prophetic for what's going to happen, I believe, in the end. Now, there's never going to be everybody that's saved, ever. But this is talking about influence. This is talking about in society. This is talking about all these things. And all this stuff begins to uh, uh, unfold. Now, we recognize this. The abundance of the seed, the people, their abundance, their means, their abilities, their hearts shall be turned to you. And then it goes on to say, uh, the wealth of the Gentiles, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more resources or to become a Voice of God partner, go to josephz.com. And remember, Jesus is the Voice of God. Thank you.